wandering. She's been wandering. We were going down to the riverside. Welcome to Cheese Underground Radio. I'm Jeannie Carpenter. Thanks so much for joining us. Today we visit with two Wisconsin dairy farmers, both milking herds of just 40 cows, and each with dreams of passing them on to the next generation. We learn why they've joined forces with a company called Red Barn Family Farms, an organization started by a veterinarian nine years ago that's rewarding small, family-owned farms for treating their cows right. Stay with us. I'm with my sweet Monica. Today's Cheese Underground Radio is sponsored by Dairy Connection Incorporated, supplier of cultures, enzymes, cheese making supplies, and trusted expertise since 1999. A family-owned business based in Madison, Wisconsin, the dedicated Dairy Connection team takes pride in its commitment to be the premier supplier to artisan, specialty, and farmstead cheesemakers nationwide. To learn more, visit dairyconnection.com. Over a century ago in 1885, it was William D. Horde, considered to be the father of modern dairying in Wisconsin, who first set the tone for today's model dairy farmer. And it's W.D. Horde's words that Dr. Terry Homan, a man in his 21st year of veterinary practice, decided to follow when he started Red Barn Family Farms. Here are those words. The rule to be observed in this stable at all times toward the cattle, young and old, is that of patience and kindness. A man's usefulness in a herd ceases at once when he loses his temper and bestows rough usage. Men must be patient. Cattle are not reasoning beings. Remember that this is the home of mothers. Treat each cow as a mother should be treated. All right, here we go. And we're off to see cows. As we climbed into Dr. Homan's Ford with his wife, Paula, I asked Terry, who's still working full-time as a partner in a veterinary dairy practice, what made him want to start a company that not only purchases milk from small dairies, but then partners with local cheese and dairy plants to turn that milk into Red Barn Family Farms branded cheese and bottled milk? I left my family's farm in 89 to go off to college and vet school. And I grew up on the quintessential family farm, 50 cows brothers and sister, you know, we baled hay during the summer and straw and milk cows did chores before and after school. Um, so my career choice to become a veterinarian was based on that experience. Never, you know, when you're young, you, you don't see the world changing. You go off to school for what you see right now. Sure. And so when I left home in 89, that was kind of agriculture as I knew it. By the time I arrived at vet school in 1992, then the dairy industry in Wisconsin was beginning to change, and I, I like to say that it was taking on um, some aspects of the dairy industry as it existed in the southwest part of the country, California, Arizona, New Mexico. Um, and I like to think of the Wisconsin dairy industry, like our roots are a family farming heritage. Mm -hmm. 
whereas I think the dairy industry in the southwest part of the country is more its roots are more of a business model but bigger bigger farms right yeah I, I think like if you look at the dairy industry maybe even production agriculture in general since the World War II era the the primary focus it's a commodity industry the, the primary focus is to produce as much as you can as cheaply as you can and so the red barn vision is rather different from that in that um, our red barn rules select farms because they excel at animal husbandry they we measure the health and the milk quality of these animals and we incentivize our farms to excel at animal health and milk quality. That, that's what our Red Barn rules are. That's what the foundation of our company is. So rather than the economic incentive to our farmers to be producing that little bit more milk for a little bit cheaper, our incentive is focused on animal health, milk quality, and a, and a family farming kind of heritage. Um, to us, a family farm is one where the owning family does the majority of the work feeding milking, caring for the animals, because we think that personal connection between the owning family and the animals is an important foundation of excellent animal husbandry. Rather than base their milk pay price off of federal rates that tend to fluctuate wildly, Red Barn Family Farms pays their dairy farmers not only on how much quality milk they produce, but on the health of their animals. That means cows are audited regularly for lameness and for something called hock health, that's H-O-C-K, how healthy the tarsal joint of the hind leg, or the hock, is of each cow. We pay a premium per hundredweight just because they're a Red Barn farm, because they meet our standards. And then there's additional premium that they can earn um, the better the physical health of their cows are. And the two primary things that, from my vet perspective, that I like to follow as measures of, of physical health are lameness and hocks. And what? The hock scores. So on the cow's back leg, her hock. Yeah. Um, so you base part of your pay price off how healthy a cow's hock is. Yeah, it's a... It's a that is it's pretty a, awesome. It's an outcome of how comfortable they are. That's fascinating. By this time in the drive, we were almost to our first dairy farm visit. Red Barn Family Farms consists of nine farm families. I asked Terry to describe the folks we were about to meet. The first farm we're going to go and we're going to be here in a, in a couple minutes is Neil and Amy Holowinski, and they are they were patrons seven. Um, and when you see the place, you're going to love it. And when you meet Neil and Amy, you're going to love them. And when you see their animals, you're not you won't be able to help yourself. You're going to love the animals too. Um, and everything is just going to feel right with the world at this place. Terry was right as we drove into the Holowinski farm, a small red dairy farm full of red and white Holsteins greeted us. Amy, Neil, and their son Stephen, age 21, milk 40 cows near Pulaski. They farm 110 acres and grow everything they need to feed the cows. We have 40 cows that we are milking right now. Okay. And then we have just about that much young stock also that okay. we raise. 
And uh, so these are some red, red and white cows. What breed is this? These are all Holsteins. They're either red and white Holsteins or the black ones. The majority of them are red carriers also. So oh. when they have calves, they can turn out red and white also. So why, why the red and white Holsteins? Um, when my husband's father was started farming, he was very interested in the red and white Holsteins. He thought they were kind of neat and they started breeding one cow at a time and eventually got the herd. So it was, the majority was red and white. Within the last year or two, I'd say we came down a little bit to a few more black ones, but okay. he just liked them because they were different. Yeah. Well, they're pretty too. I mm -hmm. mean, they're different. Yeah, they're different. So Stephen, this is your son, Stephen. He's standing here yes, with it us. Is. So um, it probably maybe sounds like you might be the next generation milking here. Hopefully. So, That's the plan. So here's the big question. Do, do you like the red and white Holsteins? No. <laughs> Uh-oh. I, I think that maybe if we're standing here in 40 years, there might be some different color cows here. Quite possibly, what, yes. What, what, do you, what, what breed do you like? I like the black and white ones oh, better. Isn't that interesting? Because the Holowinskis are part of Red Barn Family Farms, that means they follow the Red Barn rules, a set of standards. Dr. Holman put them in place when he founded the company. Those rules include cows must have access to the outdoors on a daily basis. There must be comfortable resting areas for the animals. And at all times, they should be allowed to thrive in an environment that lets a cow be a cow, such as letting her eat grass in a pasture and swat flies away with a tail. Um, so I'm standing in your barn, and the first thing I notice is that your cows all have tails. And when I go to a lot of dairy barns, I see that they have, um, that they've been, what's the word? Docked. Docked. And why, why does a dairy farmer dock a cow's tail? The reason the majority of them do it is because if you don't use a lot of bedding in your, in your gutters, their tails get in there and get wet and get you dirty. Ah, because when you're when you're going to milk the cow, you're coming from the back end, mm -hmm. and between you and the udder is the tail. The tail. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yes, I can see that. But your tail, all these cows' tails are pretty pretty clean. So is that because you're using just a lot of a lot of bedding? We use a lot of straw in our gutters for bedding. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay. And that's the main thing. A lot of farmers like you have to. We grow oats, and you need that to get the straw. And very few farmers do that anymore. So. Yeah. It's an extra job, right? but I don't know. I think they need their tails to swat the flies, and <laughs> they just look better with their tails on. They look like a cow. <laughs> yeah. So, and the other thing, when we, we walked in here, just so your, um, your dairy barn is situated, so you, you walk right in the front door, and if I were blind, I wouldn't know that there was a cow in this barn because they're so quiet. Not always, but <laughs> <laughs> they, they are. They're very tame, I would have yeah. to say. Yeah, they and, got a good temper. Yep. Yeah, mm -hmm. but um, I mean, isn't also a, a quiet cow the sign of a happy cow, too? They're or content. Content. A content cow. Mm -hmm. And I think they feel safe. Yeah. There's They, are, they don't feel threatened with... Right. Someone else coming in here. Yeah, we're standing. We're standing in the middle of a barn of four, how many? Forty, 40. cows. Mm -hmm. And I think two have even just turned around to look at us. Most of them are sitting there chewing their cud, um, pretty content to just be sitting here. In an industry where the average dairy cow is pushed to give as much milk as possible and may only live to be five or six years old before she's sold at market, the cows at Red Barn Farms live a little differently. Um, I was talking with Terry on the way here. We we're, were talking a little bit about how, how long dairy cows live. 
And do you want to talk about um, like how many lactations your cows have and how many, how many calves they have? Well, our oldest cow right now is Shish Kebab, and she's just she just turned ten years old. Oh, this is the one that just stood up. Yeah, oh, she might be. Yeah, I think she's gonna bust the key. So here we move down. <laughs> yeah, you'll you'll be awfully. Yeah, yeah. So, so our oldest one right now is ten years old. So she would be on her. I think seventh. Seventh right calf. Yeah, seventh lactation. Okay. Um, we had just sold our oldest cow, Cora. She was. 12 or 13, 13. I think. She was yeah. our last oldest one. And she was still milking. Yes. Oh, she was, mm-hmm, we just couldn't breed her back. Mm-hmm. And do all of your cows have names? Oh, they are all named, yes. Our next stop was at the dairy farm of Bob Nett, who milks 38 cows near Pulaski. We caught Bob just as he was finishing up mowing his front yard. The cows were on the other side of an electric fence. That's because Bob practices rotational grazing and moves the fence every day, so cows always eat fresh grass. I'm gonna, I'll meet you down by the barn because I don't like getting shocked. So I'm gonna pull the fence if you were gonna be out with the hand. We gotta walk. We gotta get over a little wire. Oh, okay. So I don't want to. I don't want to get a jolt. (laughs) Are we gonna get a jolt? If I not, if I unplug. Okay. I'm like, wait, what does this mean? Is he setting us up to be electrocuted? I'm worried. As soon as Bob unhooked the electric fence, we stepped through and walked across the pasture toward the cows. Some Timothy is there in places, Bob? Yeah, and and, and, yeah, and then there's alfalfa, and, and there should be some orchard grass in here. Okay, so tell me about this grass. Um, I, what I do is rotational graze. Um, the cows, they get, they get fresh pasture every day. They get a section of it, and um, they're on there for um, 24 hours. Then we move them to a new, new section of grass. Uh, and that's how they feed. Most, they get about over half their feed that from about first part of May till about end of October into October every year is a little different and what made you decide to to switch to Red Barn um I guess because I felt like um we're gonna be more of a individual than a commodity hmm. um, because you feel more a, a little bit more you feel you always want to do your best but you feel it, it a little more personal and how many cows are you milking did i ask you that yeah 39 39 38 39 38 there's not a lot of people in wisconsin still milking 38 cows can no. you make a living doing that yes Tell me, tell me why. Red Barn helps it. I'll be honest. Yeah. You want me to be honest? Yeah. Um, and that's why I, I, I hope there's, that they can continue, you know, to keep, keep, I'd like to see more young people on farming. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's the way they can be. 
How many more years do you think you will farm? I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea how old you are. I'm 62. Oh, you look, you look pretty good for your age. <laughs> Thank you, but I'm starting to feel it. It just... Yeah. So, I don't know. I think you... I think someday, some morning, you're going to wake up a little bit more tired than the last morning, and and that's okay. That was today. <laughs> so, this conversation has turned into Bob's retirement party. <laughs> which Terry does not want to hear that. Which but, we're figuring on 62 that he's going to go till he's 70. Okay. <laughs> that was a long sigh from Bob, by the way. That was my knee. <laughs> <laughs> Bob has two young grandchildren who are showing a great interest in the cows. They know every cow's name. He hopes perhaps someday they'll have an interest in agriculture as a career. And and and, and the grandsons they, they pick up the names now too. And one night one day I had to go through and we were, I was feeding and about a year or so ago and he had to know every name. Every, and it's funny how they got a couple cows that it's like their pets all happens to be and the youngest one he's he'll be four see that browner one over there mm-hmm. and she's a whole scene jersey mix and her name is bon bon well every time he comes here he's got to go find bon bon it don't <laughs> matter he's here a couple of weeks ago on a sunday afternoon she was out on pasture well he had to go well then he had to go see all the cows <laughs> then he had to go find bon bon and, and then he's talking to to his grandma one day she was in the barn get for milking and he's like granny did bon bon get a haircut (laughs) (laughs) granny goes no no well i think so but what it sure looks cute (laughs) 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 oh and he's four yeah, he'll yeah, be four in That's July. a pretty adorable age. But like in, like last November, it came and we just had one born. And, uh, well, it was almost pure white. That's what oh, yeah, she's laying down. Yeah, and they're in there and they're hugging her and all that. And it's <laughs> soft. And, but I didn't realize that the one grandson, the older one, he never saw one, the total birthing of one. And so it was like in March. And... Uh, they were staying over, and I, I said, we got to get, at that, I can't remember what whose cow it was right now. Um, we got to put her in the pen because she's going to have a calf tonight. So, and I says, I think she's going to have it pretty quick. Well, he's like, well, I got to watch it. <laughs> well, I said, well, let's go in for supper and she'll have it. Well, what if I miss something? <laughs> I says, well, Grandpa's hungry. <laughs> well, I, I don't want to miss anything, Grandpa. I says, here, set up five-gallon bucket, tipped it up. I said, sit there. <laughs> Grandpa's gonna go have something to eat quick, and he'll come back out. And I did, and he's like, he's all excited because by then that was all he talked about. Then the whole next day, because he, he saw the birthing from mm. the beginning to the end. <laughs> Oh, well, that's that's pretty cool, though. How many kids get to see a, an animal give birth? Right. Yeah, he'll, he'll remember that forever. Yeah.
If you're interested in learning more about Red Barn Family Farms, their many award-winning cheeses, and how they're helping develop an economy to help family farms thrive, be sure to check out my blog, cheeseunderground.com. Our program today was produced with the help of Uriah Carpenter, who, like Bob, learned the true meaning of how Eden, a raw milk cheddar from Red Barn Family Farms, spelled E-D-U-N, was named. Do you know what the name Eden comes from? I don't. So it is It is a little bit paradise like Eden. Okay. But it's also nude spelled backwards. And <laughs> we, we, we chose that purposely. We're not trying to be risque, but we wanted bear, bear milk. Hmm. Did you know this, Bob? No, I didn't. Wow. <laughs> See, we're learning. Expose here on Cheese Underground Radio. <laughs> Our theme music was composed and performed by Point Five, one of my favorite local bands out of Mineral Point, Wisconsin. So that's it for today. Thanks for joining us. Next week, I'll be talking with Bob Wills about fresh cheese curds and why you really need to move to Wisconsin to eat a warm cheese curd right out of the vat. Until then, you can keep up with me at cheeseunderground.com or on Twitter at CheeseGeek. Have a great week. Today's Cheese Underground Radio is sponsored by Dairy Connection Incorporated, supplier of cultures, enzymes, cheesemaking supplies, and trusted expertise since 1999. A family-owned business based in Madison, Wisconsin, the dedicated Dairy Connection team takes pride in its commitment to be the premier supplier to artisan, specialty, and farmstead cheesemakers nationwide. To learn more, visit dairyconnection.com. Some of the weeds, burdocks. Burdocks. (laughs) Burdocks and um, um, Canadian thistle are the biggest problem. I've got a guy in my street that has a burdock growing in his front yard and he's letting it bloom. And I'm pretty sure he thinks it's a flower. (laughs) So I'm trying to decide whether or not to tell him that that's a noxious weed. So far I've let it go, but I'm like, dude, it's a burdock. Maybe, you know that the the roots are edible for these forager types? Uh, Maybe that's why he's doing it. He's gonna eat the roots at some point. He's kind of treating it like as a showpiece of his lawn. Like, look at what I can grow. Wow. Yeah. Anywho, so I'm assuming he didn't grow up on a farm. No. Okay.